0: All right, good morning, everyone. Can we give it up for our awesome band? Adrian, Laura, and Will. Wow, I could get used to that, that three-piece right there. That sound is so good. Also, if you guys didn't know, that was my lovely wife, Ariana, who just led us into prayer, and that was a beautiful prayer. Woo! yes. Yes is right. But, hey, guys, good morning. Thank you for being here. Despite this freezing weather, My thing is, where was this during Christmas time? You know what I mean? Like, why was it 85 degrees with, what was it, like 70% humidity? I don't know. I'm still not over that. I mean, if I wanted that, I could have gone to the Bahamas for Christmas. But anyway, here we are. But thank you guys so much, again, for being here. Before we get into the word, I really have to just thank everyone who was at our museum district campus Yesterday, I know I saw a couple of you come come into the door this morning, but for those of you who don't know, we had a serve day yesterday at our Museum District campus, getting it ready for our launch, which is next Sunday. How awesome is that? Can we praise God for that? That came so quickly, but it's next Sunday, and guys, seriously, I wish I had a list and can name all of you one by one. Um, But from the bottom of my heart from the bottom of the hearts of everyone on staff We just want to thank you because you guys were such a blessing to us yesterday. There was a lot of work They were cleaning organizing doing landscaping everything you guys can think of to get that building ready and it was Four or five hours some even stayed longer than that of serving So it was just a really fun day really filled our hearts and we're really excited for our lunch next Sunday well If this is your first time here, or if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Rolando Alviar, and I'm the worship experience director here at the Story Church, Um, and I'm super excited for you guys to be here as we continue our current sermon series of This Is Your Year. Now, I hope your 2022 has gotten off to a great start. If you were able to join us for the past two weeks, then it most definitely did, because you and I both heard two incredible and challenging sermons by pastors Eric and Kel. And last week, Kel talked about taking that next step in your faith journey. He talked about shifting our focus in a way that directs our steps towards Jesus and his goodness. So I hope that this past week, if you heard that message, I hope that this past week you were able to go home and do some reflection, to do some reprioritizing and take that step. And if you did, let's go. We're really excited for you. Um, We're here every step of the way, but also, we have to be real. We would do you a disservice if we didn't let you know that it won't always be, or there won't always be sunshine and rainbows along this journey, or along your faith journey. You will face some limitations that if go unchecked, can really, really hinder your spiritual growth and your walk with Jesus. Not being in God's word, for example, or the lack of knowledge of God and who he is can be a limitation, and I see this a lot with people who just gave their life to Christ, people who are new um, in this Christian faith so they'll give their life to Christ because of what they've heard of him. But six months down the line, when the excitement fades, when the emotion fades, and they hit a difficult circumstance, a difficult decision, um, or sorry, just a difficult situation overall, they'll lose their faith. And it's mainly because they didn't spend the time to get to know God. Single ladies, picture this. So you're out serving one, one Sunday morning. I don't know, maybe you're greeting. You're doing communion or handing out communion cups, coffee, whatever it is, but a handsome man approaches you and he says, hey, I know this can be a little forward, but if you're available, if you're single, would you want to go on a date with me? Now, you've heard a lot of great things about this guy from your girlfriends. You may have been eyeing him for a while now. You know, he's mysterious. You like what you see. So... So you say, yeah, sure. You know, (laughs) guys, y'all know that move, right? You know, that's the cue. All right, if you don't catch me after service, got a lot to learn. So, So you say, yeah, sure. How's Friday at seven? And so the guy says, all right, it's a date. So Friday rolls around, and you show up to that really nice steakhouse. You go up to the hostess, and you tell her who you're there to see. And so, you know, how hostess do oh, sure, follow me this way. And so she takes to the back this really nice romantic spot, and there he is receiving you on one knee, holding out a beautiful engagement ring. And he pops the question, will you marry me? Obviously. You're like, uh, no, right? (laughs) Obviously. Now, he's an amazing guy. He's super kind. He's super generous. He treats his mama to breakfast every Saturday morning. He has a thriving relationship with Jesus. He wants that same breed of dog that you want, that really rare rare one that no one likes, but you really like it. He wants that same one, same amount of kids. His favorite sitcom is The Office. This guy's got a lot going for him, right? (laughs) Right? But you wouldn't know that. Naturally, you don't know that. You haven't gotten to get to know him. Now, I'm not just speaking to the single ladies anymore, but where are you with God? How well do you know him? How well do you know his heart? Has the lack of knowledge of him and who he is prohibited you from taking that next step? Because, guys, to be honest, it's really hard to flourish in your relationship with God if you're not committed to his word, it takes commitment, it takes intentionality to get to know someone enough to say yes to a serious commitment like that. And there really is no excuse. Bibles are so accessible nowadays. And even if you don't know where to, where to start, if you're new in your faith, you don't know where to start, maybe you just kind of hit a Um, hit a bump in the road, and you're like, well, I don't know what else to read. There's tons of Bible Bible plans out there now that you can find and, you know, pick one up and just start reading the Bible. There really is no excuse, guys. The roadmap to a thriving relationship with God has been printed. Leaving it on the shelf won't do you any good along your faith journey. Sin, sin is another limitation. Past or present sin both can be crippling. Because sin brings guilt, and it brings shame. And so as you're walking in your faith uh, journey, if you're struggling with past or present sin, you know, you may feel hypocritical. You may feel unworthy. And that can really, really get in the way. Rejection. Rejection is another limitation. And I see this a lot, actually, with mature believers. They'll, they'll do everything they need to do. They'll spend time serving. They'll spend time in community. They'll spend time doing all the necessary things to thrive in their relationship with God. But then when it comes time to stand up for Jesus or for biblical principles amongst their friends, their coworkers, family, people who may not be believers, and they face rejection, that can be really tough. They may face questions like, wait, you're a Christian? Since when do you go to church? Or I guess we can't invite you to that party then. Or maybe they don't just they don't say that. They just stop inviting you to things. They stop coming around, you stop getting texts. And so that fear of rejection, because of your faith, can also be debilitating. Okay? So you will face resistance and rejection along your your faith walk, but we believe you can overcome that through faith in Jesus, and that's what we're here to talk about this morning. We believe that this is your year to take off those limitations. We believe that this is your year to take off the limitations as you sell out for Jesus. All right, so today we're diving into a story in Luke chapter 4, And this is when Jesus is coming back home to Nazareth shortly after he began his ministry. And as Kel mentioned last week, Jesus' ministry began after he was baptized by John the Baptist. Following his baptism, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And not surprisingly, the devil fails to tempt him. Following that, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to teach and spread the gospel throughout Galilee, all right? And here we have a map of Galilee. Now, Jesus was very well acquainted, acquainted with the region of Galilee, and that's up north. You guys can see the Sea of Galilee up there at the top. But So he's from Nazareth, which is in the region of Galilee. It's right to the left, bottom left of the, of the Sea of Galilee. But when Jesus goes... Um, to Galilee to spread the gospel, he's primarily around the cities or the cities surrounding the Sea of Galilee, and this was an area that was densely populated because the Romans at that time started urbanizing these areas. Also, the land was very fertile, so in that area alone, there was around three million people. Okay, a lot of people in that in that area. So that's where Jesus' ministry began, and then it ended down south in Jerusalem, uh, right up to the top left of the Dead Sea here is Jerusalem. So Jesus' ministry began there, ended in Jerusalem. And the distance between Nazareth and Jerusalem is about 60 miles. So about the distance from here to Galveston, just as a, as a reference. Okay? So he goes to, to Galilee, and it's really cool because he get, he, he's accepted. When he goes, he starts his ministry and immediately he finds um, acceptance. He starts pre- uh, preaching, performing miracles. And Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 15 tells us news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. All right, now this is a really cool time in the early ministry of Jesus. As I mentioned, he was raised in Nazareth and this was a micro town of about 300 to 400 people, okay? And when it comes time for him to leave his home, to leave his day job, he goes on this preaching and healing campaign around Galilee. As I mentioned also, a region of about 3 million people, okay? So huge, huge jump in population. And everyone loved him. Everyone praised him. Hundreds, maybe even thousands started following him. Afterward, he decided to go back home. So bear in mind, when Jesus leaves Nazareth, he's an average Joe. But now he's returning as a celebrity. As we read, news about him was spreading like wildfire. Everyone was talking about him. So he was going viral. Everyone was sharing his teachings and and miracles on their timelines. Jesus was verified, blue check and everything, all right? So he's coming back to Nazareth, and this is his big homecoming. Now, let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 4, verse verse 16. Now, if you don't have a Bible, I believe that this is your year to get one, okay? One thing we're trying to do here at the story as a community is not just show up to worship, but to bring our Bibles with us when we do. This is just a small, tangible step that you can take this year to grow in your faith, but also to feel more, more connected with the word of God, all right? So let's start on Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Did y'all catch that? As was his custom. The perfect son of God prioritized showing up to worship every week. Even he wasn't too good for community. So just a great reminder to, to make worshiping with the community a regular part of our lives. Let's continue. So he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I love this passage. Because, well, in order to fully grasp what's going on, I I have have to point out a few things. First of all, at that time, people did not have Torahs at home that they can just read at their own convenience. Most of the population actually couldn't read. So if they wanted to hear the word of God, they had to go to synagogue. And that's where these scrolls were kept and preserved. So it was the custom for the teacher or the rabbi to read the scroll, hand it back, sit down, and give his message or to teach. Now bear in mind, Jesus is a rock star at this point. So everyone, as soon as he's finished reading and he hands back that scroll, everyone's just waiting in anticipation to hear what he has to say. That's why their their eyes were fastened on him. But Jesus hands back the scroll. He He did what everyone expected him to do. He hands back the scroll, he sat down, preachers. We're able to sit back then, but whatever. Well, I guess Eric does it sometimes, right? He pulls out a a stool. I might call him rabbi. I don't know. So, but anyway, so he hands back the scroll. He sits down, but instead of opening up with a silly dad joke or some funny story, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, if there was ever a mic drop moment in history, guys, this was it. Why? Because he had just finished reading Isaiah's messianic prophecy of the one who is to come. Of the one who's going to bring salvation to the world. And here, Jesus is saying, that's me. I am the one. Now, Let's see how this was received. So verse 22 says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. So at first, at first they were amazed. Everything seemed to have been going pretty well up to this point. But then the people who knew Jesus and his family his entire life said, wait, hold on. Isn't this Joseph's son? And Matthew recounts the crowd also saying this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 to 56. He says, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So the skepticism and the cynicism started to grow because everyone in Nazareth was very familiar with the scandalous events surrounding the birth of Jesus. It was that big thing that happened in a really small town. Mary got pregnant out of wedlock. And sure, Joseph tried to make it better by marrying her. But still, if you grew up in a a small religious town like Nazareth or in a small religious church where everyone knew everything about each other, you can imagine how something like an unmarried pregnant teenager doesn't just go away it lingers right and also it probably was made worse by the fact that Mary and Joseph were going around saying no 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 wait Mary's a virgin and and the son that she had is actually the son of God you can imagine everyone being like yeah okay right Now, Jesus' family was also considered lower class. When Matthew recounts the crowd saying, wait, isn't that the carpenter's son? That's a sarcastic insult. The original Greek word that was translated into carpenter is tekton. And that simply means builder, or construction worker, and it wasn't a noble profession. So Joseph was just considered a lower class day laborer. Okay? So everyone started putting limitations on Jesus to reduce his purpose and his identity. Now, Jesus sees the skepticism in the crowd, he senses it, and he responded by saying this, picking up on verse 23. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote the proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do you hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum? Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And then going down to verse 28, he says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill On which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So, Jesus' point was that the prophets always faced persecution or rejection because they spoke hard truths. And we see this a lot in the Old Testament. And that's another sermon for another day. But that's why he said no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Also, the people weren't too thrilled about Jesus, not only insinuating that he was the Messiah of God, but that they were capable of getting in the way of God's plan and promise. It angered them so much so that they decided, yo, we need to throw this guy off a cliff. But Jesus gets away. And it's crazy how his people loved him and supported him when he was doing great things outside of Nazareth. That, and before Jesus announces that he's indeed the Messiah, everyone just thought that he was some great teacher. When they heard things about Jesus, they're like, oh, he's, he's doing a great job teaching over there or something. But Jesus indeed says that he's the Messiah. Now... They were threatened by this authority that he declared. And as soon as they felt threatened by his calling, they tried to remind him who he was, according to society. Has that ever happened to you? Someone's trying to remind you of all, all these things you used to do. So they try to remind him. Now bear in mind, Jesus was without sin. So the only ammunition that his people had against him was his family's reputation. You and I, however, are not without sin. You and I have messed up. You and I have people with extensive knowledge of those mess-ups, people very close to us. A lot of you heard my story during my first sermon here at at, at the story. That was only about six months ago. Wow, it feels feels like a long time ago, but... It was around six months ago where I I gave my first sermon here. And I opened up about my competitive nature growing up and how that led to me burning a lot of bridges. It led to a lot of resentment towards me from people that I competed against. I played the the psychological game. All that means is I was a trash talker. (laughs) Big time trash talker. And I just wanted to get in people's heads and I would say really nasty things to do that and sometimes i even got physical got real chippy when the ref wasn't looking or whatever it was but for me all that mattered was winning even if it meant like borderline bullying someone that's all that mattered to me even if it meant throwing my christian convictions out the window during games. And in high school, I was a troublemaker. I was a class clown. I would say and do anything to fit in. So when I was asked to give my first sermon, guys, I'm not going to lie, the enemy started whispering in my ear, hey, what would those people think? I know God has forgiven me, but what if they haven't? What if on the off chance, someone who knew me back then decided to check out the story randomly and they saw me preaching? What would they say? Would they think I'm a hypocrite? And if I would have allowed those thoughts to sit and marinate in my soul and in my spirit. If I would have allowed the lies of the enemy to be louder than the truth and grace of Jesus, guys, there's no way I would have ever strapped on this mic and publicly walked in my calling. Not a chance, but thank God for his goodness and who he says that we are in him. Now, I want to ask you, are you struggling with something similar? Are you afraid of what the people who used to get drunk with or party with or turn up with, what they would say if they saw you going to church or they knew you were going to church, if they saw you post scripture on social media? Maybe you wanted to share something that was Bible-related, but you're like, man, no, I have, who do I have on Who's my friend? Oh, yeah, no, I can't share this. They're, they're going to say something. It's going to offend them. But are you allowing that, and are you allowing the enemy to cripple you? Are you allowing him to use your past or use your present sin against you? Now, if the answer is yes to any of, the thing, any of these things, friend, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. And I want you to understand that today there's forgiveness. There's an unconditional and redeeming love waiting for you, seeking you, surrounding you. Know that the ministry of Jesus, or that throughout the ministry of Jesus, he only extended the invitation to follow him to the lost and broken people. Sometimes we think we have to be this perfect person. But no, God transforms them, transforms us. When we say yes, when we accept him and when we follow him truly, know that nothing can separate you from his love. Now, Jesus faced rejection because he was stepping out of the mold, and that comes with risk and sacrifice. Like I mentioned before, everyone expected Jesus to come home and just to preach a nice sermon. They did not expect him to declare himself as the Messiah. That was a hard pill to swallow. That someone that came from such a low-class family could actually be the Messiah, could actually be the Savior of the world. But that was the truth. And speaking hard truths won't make you popular. When you decide to live in such a way that honors God and doesn't please the expectation of others, you will face rejection. When you decide to say no to the things that your friends gladly say yes to, there will be rejection. But will you choose to take that step and boldly declare, I'm living for Christ. I'm living to serve Christ and not the world. And not my career. And not the expectations of others. And not this mold that has been created for me. What will be your decision? Once you're firm in your decisions and in your convictions and your identity in Christ you won't stumble because you know who you are and whose you are. And if right now you're at a point where maybe you're confused, maybe you don't know where to go from here, you don't know what God is calling you to do, or you don't know why you're here. Friends, it's simple. And Jesus laid it out back in verse 18 when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, if that was Jesus' mission, shouldn't it be ours too? Shouldn't it be your mission as well? And again, (laughs) remember what Romans 8.11 says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, his spirit in us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you if you choose to accept him. That's powerful, that's beautiful. That Jesus would that God would allow that same spirit to live in us. For our bodies to be temples of that same spirit, his mission is is our mission. And once you fully grasp that, once you fully understand that your identity is found only in him and through him, then you can begin to take off the limitations. Because all that sin, a lack of knowledge of who God is and rejection will do is discourage you from staying the course. So, it's important for us that as we're taking this next step in our faith journey to do some spiritual maintenance. It's important for us to address these limitations so that they don't come to surprise us later along our faith journey. Remind yourself who you are, remind yourself that you're God's chosen, that you're loved that you're freely forgiven, that there's nothing you can do. You just have to accept that forgiveness. You're freely forgiven. So the next time that someone close to you or whoever it is wants to bring up your past and throw it in your face, you can say, wow, thank you for reminding me how far God has brought me. The next time You face rejection. You can stand firm in your convictions. You can stand firm in your identity in Christ. Not because you know of God, but because through his word, because of the time that you spent in his presence, you truly understand the magnitude of his love and grace towards you. And because you understand the mission and that it's available to you, that you are a part of the mission. And even if it hurts, even if the rejection comes from people that you love, from people that are very close to you, that's an incredible opportunity to be a witness, to extend grace in the midst of hurt. Just as Jesus died For those who embraced him and accepted him outside of his hometown he also died for those who rejected him who wanted to throw him off a cliff he also died for them and he died for all of humanity knowing that he would continue to be rejected and you're not alone Listen, we know. We know that rejection stings. We know how much it hurts. But that's why now more than ever it's important that as you're taking this step, that you surround yourself with a community of believers who are with you, who are for you, who are on the same mission. That way when you face those things, you're not alone. Allow this community to embrace you, to encourage you. As you make 2022 your year to take that step, as you make this year your year to take off the limitations. Let's pray. Wow, Jesus, we're just, we're just in awe right now. We're in awe of your goodness. Of your forgiveness, of your faithfulness towards us, God. Thank you for calling us to be a part of your kingdom, Jesus, for letting us be sons and daughters. God, give us the strength as we take these next steps in our faith journey, whether we're just beginning whether we've been coming to church for a while, but we've hit that, that wall. We've hit that bump in the road, God, and, and, and we're, we're treading off course. Give us the strength, God, to, to redirect our focus towards you. Help us, Jesus, as a community to help those, God, who are making that step. to disciple one another, to do life together, to be on this mission together. Jesus, today we receive your forgiveness. And we thank you for continually working, working out all things for our good. That's a promise that you made to us, Jesus, that you work out all things for the good of those who love you. And Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful for you. It's in your name we pray, amen.